All right, everybody on YouTube's like, yeah, you're live, you're live, and Drew Malcolm <laughs> and me get to live, and I'm and I'm like, no, we can't be live, but yes, now we're live. So hey, welcome to take two of the, uh, the BCSN Sports Wrap. I'm Brian Fulford. That's AD Drew doing double duty tonight. So I, I promise to be uh, gentle with uh, with Drew today and not not be uh, so impatient, but. Uh, I'm excited about another weekend of football. Um, I, I'm a big win. My teams are winning, Drew. So you know, I'm a little excited. You know, so I'm a little excited. I got got a couple W's under my belt, and uh, so it's a good feeling. How you doing today, tonight, rather? Doing five, my brother. Uh, went two and zero with my alma maters on this past weekend. So anytime you get two and O's, we are happy. Although. You know, they scared to live Jesus out of me, both teams, Florida A&M and Tuskegee. But, uh, you know, I'm happy at the end some of the other teams that I I root for. Matter of fact, every team that I kind of have a place of my heart for because they're geographically close to me or I've done some contract work with them, they all won except for one. That would be Edward Waters was the only one that lost yesterday. Albany State won, Fort Valley won, uh, Miles won, Benedict won. So, you know, feeling, feeling kind of good. Wish I would have took that to Vegas, though. I'm telling you, man, because I'm still a little, I'm still a little sore. I'm, I'm looking at uh, the standings in our in our picks contest. I'm a little sore about the fact that uh, that Alabama State game ended the way it did. Uh, needed a field me. goal. I needed a field goal by anybody. You know, that, that cost me not only in my pocket, but it also cost me in the uh, in the standings where I sit uh, at three and two at the bottom of the pile while uh, you, BJ, um, Jamie, Kelvin, you guys all went unbeaten again. I, I, I don't know. I got to go back and look and see who you guys are picking. I may have, you know, to, I may have I'll, to put I'll some. Go, I'm going to tell you something. I looked at it. We all went 4-0 and instead of 5-0 and this week because we all picked the Central VUL game. I shouldn't have put that game in there. Yeah, I shouldn't have put that. I don't know why I put that game in there. I don't know what I was thinking. I, I shouldn't have included that game, knowing that everybody in their mama that was, was going to. That was low hanging uh, fruit. Central. Low hanging fruit, right that there. That was, yeah that that was the game that uh, 
that you didn't even have to think about picking to win. And so, yeah, I should have, I should have left that out and been a little more challenging. Um, you know, you, you were on the right side of that Alcorn contest. Uh, me, uh, I was on the wrong side, of course, of the Bama state contest and on, on the wrong side of the, uh, A&T South Carolina state, but we'll talk, uh, we'll talk about Stayed that. Off of it. Stayed away from that one. Yeah. Yeah. I, I thought you see, this is why when we have these shows here, like tonight at the end, we have to come to some consensus on which games we're going to pick, you know, or what I'm, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to put five, you know, that, that way I'm going to limit everybody's choices, you know, and then that way you have to pick somebody, but uh, I think a, I'm going to start to make that this. That sounds little... like the salty loser uh, trying to change the rules big game. Yes, uh, yes it does. Free, because... throws worth, free throws worth two points for my team. It's only worth one point for your team. <laughs> it's called executive privileges of the commissioner. You go look up. Roger Goodell even has some kind of, what, what does he have, a commissioner's list or some sort of commissioner's exempt list where he just randomly puts guys who might be in trouble in the league on a list. Well, I'm going to pull commissioner executive privilege, and I'm going to I'm going to reduce the number of games and force everybody to uh, pick games a little closer to each other. Maybe like seven games, so we have some overlap. So, got to give us. Yeah, that's probably yes. That's probably what I'll do. I I won't put as many, especially when we're not dealing with conference games, because you you guys don't have any faith in the HBCUs winning these non-conference games against the PWIs. And so I'm the probably only sucker that keeps picking these guys and then they end up losing. And so I, that, that's where half my losses have come. Me believing, you know, believe. I believe, yeah. I, I'm believing in the wrong teams is what's happening out here. Uh, so, yeah. Hey, um, loaded show tonight. Uh, anybody who's uh, out there already tuned in, watching us there on YouTube and on Facebook, uh, please make sure to go ahead and like the feed, like the stream. If you're not already subscribed to us on YouTube, please go ahead and do that. And as always, please go follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at MyBCSN1, the number one. If you have not already downloaded the Jericho Broadcast Networks app, you can do that by just going to the Google and Apple Play Store and then type in MyJBN, MyBCSN. And all of our shows on the Black College Sports Network can be found in podcast form on the BCSN pod zone. So if you're one of those podcast listeners, like I was, you know, as I was driving from Orlando up to Tallahassee, and I'm sure you were, as you were going from uh, your home in Southern Georgia out to uh, uh, what's Columbia or somewhere, Columbia, South South Carolina. Carolina. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure you were, you were listening to podcasts and stuff like that. Uh, So there's multiple ways in which you can pick up all of our shows and uh, even if you happen to miss this morning's uh, Dr. Gaville's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab, the morning recap, uh, that is now available on the BCSN Pod Zone, as well as the video stream as well. So um, shout out. I saw Chuck Hunt already checking in. Uh, let's see who was the first in. Um, Khalifi. I'm gonna I'm gonna mess the name up here. Uh, Kalfani, Kalfani, um, first one in. Uh, I know I'm gonna mess that name up, so my apologies there. Uh, but uh, Mary Theo Five also jumped in there, 
And uh, appreciate you guys. I see David Garner, a few other folks as well jumping in. So, hey, today's show, we're going to recap not only what happened in the Division One level, but the non-D1 level. We're going to also get into talking uh, about some grades. we got to grade the top 10 from the HBCU Pro Sports Media Association top poll. Then the debut of the BCSN top five. Much anticipated, much debated as the season goes along. But Drew, I want to I want to start with letting people know how our poll differs from other polls because obviously, you know, it seems like uh, as we've done this, the number of polls have tripled, and so <laughs> now there are all kinds of polls. Uh, people who weren't doing polls are doing polls now, and hey, that's all great. Uh, but I think we got to make a distinction here between computer rankings, individual rankings, and com- and uh, polls. Okay, we at the BCSN uh, do a computer ranking. So uh, Drew uh, is the is the master uh, is the guy. professor. Yeah, the, <laughs> the professor behind the formulation of our polls. And Drew, give people a little, don't give them too much, but give them a little bit of what goes into the pot that creates the BCSN top five rankings. It's an algorithm that we have put together over the last few years, and we make slight adjustments to it every year to uh, correct certain imperfections that we see in the algorithm every year. But in general, It is an algorithm that assigns value to wins and losses. Now, those wins and losses are broken down into conference wins and losses, uh, wins and losses versus non-conference wins and losses against fellow HBCUs, such as this week we had South Carolina State and North Carolina A&T. There's a value assigned to that. In addition to your overall non-conference record, Obviously, just like with most computer rankings, you get bonus points for road victories or neutral site victories because going into hostile territory should be, should be valued. Then it takes in a couple of other metrics that, we, that we've come up with, and the most important metric that it takes into consideration is strength of schedule. We calculate strength of schedule of the opponents. So just, just so you know, Everyone's four and zero is not the same, so um, it, it looks good on paper, but everyone's four and zero is not the same. And and I'll give you, I'll give you uh, an, an example. Let's take a two and two Delaware State. Delaware yeah. State is is two and two. Who were their two wins against? Their two wins were against Division Two, Lincoln, who is having a a. a a great year for them, but that's an FCS playing in Division Two. They're supposed to win that game, and they're supposed to dominate that game. And then their other victory was against VUL, who does not play a home game, and as classified as NCCAA. They're not NCAA. They're not NAIA. They are a third classification that is considered below NAIA. So the value of those two victories 
are not the same as the value of a Florida A&M who has a FCS victory and a Division II victory and are not the same. Give me another two and two team out here with uh, two FCS. Uh, another two and two. How about Alcorn State? Yep. Who has two FCS victories? Mm-hmm. And one of those yeah, so, FCS victories is in conference. Right. So coming up a little bit later in the second hour, we'll reveal the top five. Won't be I, I, having looked at it. There won't be too much controversy. Um, I, I think the the top five are the top five. And, and someone might, might say, why top five? You know, we looked at this back in the day, Drew. And really, when you see these top 10, I'm now, again, I'm, I'm juxtaposing this against the number of teams at the HBCU level, right? So, you know, you can't compare the top 10 in the HBCU landscape versus the top 10, say, in the FBS, where you have 25 to 30 teams, 100, excuse me, you got 100, 100, something 131 teams. teams in FCS, 132 yes. teams in FBS. They differ by one. Right. So, right. So, on those levels, 67 teams, Division Two. Yeah. So, on those levels, when you, you're looking at the top 10, it kind of stands out like, hey, top 10, that's pretty impressive. But at the BCS, at, at the uh, HBC level, we've got 21 teams. Right. So, I mean, half the league, half the All leagues that are eligible are in the top 10. Right. So, it's I like mean, NBA, hell, you, it's you, like the NBA playoffs. You got 30 teams in the NBA, 16 make the playoffs. Well, now make the playoffs. Exactly. It's the house up to 20 teams make the make the playoffs of the play in. Yeah. So, you know, what we did in saying top five, we're looking at the upper quarter. So the 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 upper quarter, the sort of top tier teams and that's sort of what our top five looks at so that's what we chose to focus on and just try to be a little bit different and I, and I think it's a little more focus a little more interesting to talk about the top five than to talk about teams six through six through ten that can fluctuate and it will fluctuate all season long uh as as it is but I, I'll say it's fun being a voter in a poll it is fun I don't want to discredit polls with voters uh because the good thing about that drew is you do have a variety of people. You got people, uh, different states that cover, you know, that have more intimate details about some teams versus others, have different thoughts and perspectives on how you uh, how you rate and evaluate wins and losses. So uh, when you have a poll like that, it, it's it's uh, when, when you have a poll with a group of voters of a of a nice variety in size, it does make it kind of interesting looking and seeing what the aggregate of people's choices come up with. Yeah. Here's the thing, Brian. Some of these polls out here, y'all need to buy and beware on some of these polls are committees of less than five. We'll just put it to you like that. I'm sorry, but a poll of less than five is not a poll. It's an opinion. Nothing wrong with that person expressing their opinion, but you cannot call it a poll when you've got three, four, five people deciding who's the number one team and people looking at that and say, hey, that's the national champion because that one person or that three-person committee decided, hey, that's the best team that's out here. 
you know, you need minimum. You got to have those double digits. You need to have multiple people, multiple areas. You know, you can't have all your posters live in Atlanta. You got to have you got to have a bias. You can't have all your posters live in Houston. Got to have a bias because of that. You know, you need to look at some of these polls and the variety of people where they're located what schools they cover, you know, and it's just like coaches' polls. Coaches' polls are most of the time filled out by an SID. Because all the co- the only thing that the coach know is who we just played and who we play next week. That's the only thing that the coach can tell you when they, when, when they go and vote. So that's why most times the SIDs fill those polls out. I, I, I'll, I'll bite back just a little on that and, and say if if – when you talk about buyer beware, look, there are a lot of people who are committing a lot of time to watching. So if you do, and, and you know how you find that out as you pay attention to their Twitter feed, you read their stories, you read their video or watch their video content, you will get a sense as to how much time somebody is putting into the content and, and knowing the teams, the players, the coaches, uh, the matchups, going into the numbers. And you know what? If someone is going deep diving and they're breaking down and giving a ranking and there's really only them and maybe one other person, you know what? That's their business. That's, that's what they a, do. That's a ranking. That's a ranking. That's well, a but you – well, I, yeah. I don't know too many – well, okay. So, all right. I see, I see what you're saying. That's a ranking. You're Cold talking about – I don't know – Poll is like yeah. I, I just don't know too many other polls, but yeah, okay. So I get it like this: you you can see the difference in the polls based on the number of first place votes and things like that. So I again, you know, it's uh, it, it's it, it's all good commentary. Uh, that's what polls are designed to do, and in the end, you know, when you can truly decide it on the field of play. That's what matters. And, you know, unfortunately, despite what we're, we're told and sold <clears throat> in HBCU land, um, there is rarely, rarely a on the field prove it game between the best two, maybe two of the best three or maybe two of the best four. But rarely is it the best versus One the versus best. Two. One versus two, undisputed. Now, every now and then, we do get that. Okay, don't get me wrong. Where everybody can agree. Oh, yeah, those think, are the two think, best teams. I think A&T Alcorn, uh, what was that, two years ago, pre-pandemic? A couple I years ago, might, yeah. That, that might have been the top two teams uh, when that was the – I want to say that was the 12-0 and 0 team from A&T. I really think those were the top two yes. teams yeah. in the nation at that point in time. Kind of yeah. copy and I, I think I think there was even a year where you had A and T and Grambling. Grambling went undefeated, and yes. uh, was it Central? No, that was Central. Was Central, that was Central yeah, that was, yeah. Yeah, I think there was. Yeah, there there was no arguments there that those two uh, were were the top two. So it, it happens. It happens. But uh, you know, all right. So that's coming up a little bit later. All right, Drew. Let's get into quick recaps. Let's get into some recaps of some of the top games from the let's start with the division one side and i want to start with i put a poll out on youtube late last week asking people's opinions because there were four top 10 matchups 
You know, if you looked at the HBCU Pro Sports Media poll, there were four top 10 matchups coming into this week. Uh, you had Virginia Union versus Fayetteville State. You had Fort Valley versus Bluefield State. Uh, you had Prairie View versus Alabama State. And you had Alcorn versus UAPB. So I put a, I put a poll out there to say, you know, hey, what's going to be game of the week? And folks gravitated towards Prairie View and Alabama State. Uh, just off your opinion, what of those four, would that be your game of the week or weekend? Give me those four again. So you had the two, it was the two top tens, the two top, the, the four top, the two I, top I, ten matchups in I, on I, both sides, the non and the D1. Oh, okay. Non and D1. I still have to lean towards the Union Fayetteville State as the game of the week. Two, two top teams in their conference. Uh, Union predicted to finish second in the North. Fayetteville predicted to finish third, excuse me, first in the first. South. Uh, mm-hmm. I believe it was a two. Was it a two or a three point game? I don't have the score in front of me right now. Three point, three point game. Yeah. Three point game. And then you you've got to think about Union with Bowie being down this year, having those uh, losses early. Now Union is the king of the hill in the north. So now you've got the new king of the hill playing in the north, playing the old king of the hill, or the current king of the hill in the south. That. You, you couldn't ask for a better, better matchup than that. Did you throw in the star power of a Jada Byers in, in this particular matchup? Yeah, that's the that's that's the game of the week for me. And I, I'll have some more on that game as we get into it. All right, so we'll, we'll, we will get into that. But let's start with the, uh, with the Prairie View traveling to Alabama State game. Uh, you know, Prairie View is coming into the contest one and two, but they're one and oh in conference by virtue of their win against Texas Southern, Alabama State, uh, two and one uh, coming into the coming off a of bye and they're at home. And and I, I don't know, Drew, but coming into this one, I, I think there was two things. I, I think one, you had a lot of people talking about could uh, Trazon Conley, uh, was he a passer? Could he pass the ball? Would he be a better passer, better quarterback Dan D. Davis. Uh, you heard Dr. Cavill, if you listen this morning, two Texas quarterbacks who I believe, uh, whether it be their schools, their high schools, or whether it be them themselves, whether, I'm not quite sure whether they actually matched up on the field in high school, but uh, he did mention their schools uh, are are uh, uh, in Texas to, to highly respected and championship caliber programs that those two guys came out of. So, um, this contest, though, came down to, I'll tell you what, I felt like when I go and look at the box score, I felt like Connolly heard people's comments about whether he could pass the ball. Uh, he was 14 of 19, 180 yards, uh, one touchdown, one INT. Um, you know, he ran uh, for 25 yards, two touchdowns rushing. Uh, so basically he accounted for three scores and matched up against D. Davis, who drew – his fumbles late in the fourth quarter, I mean, give credit to previous defense, but his two fumbles late, uh, this is a ball game in which, uh, you know, Prairie View was only leading by two points. And on two different drives, D. Davis had a fumbled or, or had a, had a, had the ball forced out of his hands. And those turnovers prevented Alabama State from potentially 
taking the lead in that contest until Prairie View actually did take the lead and win that contest. Uh, so I, I got to go scoreboard for for Conley and, and Prairie View. Uh, what's, what's your takeaways and thoughts on that game? If you are Coach Eddie Robinson Jr., you have pulled off the one thing that no coach ever wants to do. Lose, bye week, lose. Having lost to UCLA yeah. prior to the bye week, then coming out of the bye week, lose to uh, Conference Fold, Preview, A&M. Now, I know there was a big question on whether D. Davis was even going to play in this particular game because he had uh, he had been out for, I know, at least the UCLA game. I cannot remember if he was out the game prior to that. So, look, the one thing you can say about Alabama State is they got the defense figured out. This, I don't think there's right now there's a question about what they can do on their defense. The question is, can they figure out how to get it going on offense? You've got this uh, star quarterback, four-star recruit, transfer from Auburn down here at, at in Montgomery. Great two-way player. Got to figure out a way to utilize his skill set to improve the offense. That's what the biggest problem that I see with Alabama State. For for Prairie View, hey, you've given away not, what, one, maybe two games this season that you should have won against non-HBCUs. So for you to take those lessons learned in those games and to right the ship into conference play, because let's be real, two losses in this conference will – virtually eliminate you on either side. So for Prairie View A&M to be 2-0 and after two conference games, that gives them the wiggle room and takes some of that pressure off of them. If we slip up, we still have a chance in this conference. Versus if you start off 0-2 in this conference, you might, you might as well hang it up. Yeah, uh, in, in the what's interesting for Prairie View, in the two losses – they only managed 13 and 14 points. The two wins, 40 and 24. So it, it's that it's that three touchdown threshold. You know, can you get the three touchdowns? Can you have enough offense? Because the defense is doing a pretty decent job. Um, but can you get the three touchdowns? You know, three plus touchdowns. Because I think once you hit that three touchdown mark, your team is in it. And I think preview i heard bj jones talk about this i believe this morning preview is rolling into the state fair classic potentially with an opportunity to i think make it practically impossible for grambling to have a shot at winning the uh the west i mean they could pretty much knock out i mean there was only maybe yeah there's not only maybe a few people that expected Grambling to really contend this particular year, but a win by Prairie View. And they seem to have, I don't know the history, so don't catch me here. I'm, I could look it up real quick, but they, I feel like Prairie View has owned or won, maybe over the last five years, they've won probably four of these matchups. I feel like um, if, if my recent memory, you know, is correct. Um, so, you know, that, that's, that'll be interesting. And, and for, one of the last four in a row. yeah, so, 
Uh, they've won the last four in a row, and then hey, you know, hey, here comes. I think Grambling won. Grambling won four in a row prior to that. Yeah, then, so huh? Prairie won three in a row prior to that. So it's been a series of streaks. Right, a series of streaks, and I, I'd, I'd be shocked if the streak came to an end for Prairie View uh, next week in Dallas. And for Alabama State, uh, look, they 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 have to get back to winning. They had a good first two games of the season, and they're going to be – look, they play Texas Southern. They travel to Houston to play Texas Southern. That is not going to be an easy game because, yeah, maybe Texas Southern lost last week uh, or this past weekend to a UTSA team that was coming off of a loss to University of Texas, and they really competed well in that game against Texas. But uh, Texas Southern – Put up. We'll, we'll talk about them maybe in a little bit, but but they held their own, um, and so uh, Alabama State big contest coming up. Yeah, another uh, slack. Speaking, of Alabama, con- State, uh, speaking of yeah. Alabama State, you know it's amazing how this conference can force you to do some things that don't make sense to the to the to the common man, and what I mean by that is. Start looking at some of these homecoming opponents that people have, and you know there's been the question that we we saw uh, if you saw it on the pregame show where Dion gave the guys off this week because Jackson State had goes to Alabama State for homecoming. So I had to like, why would you schedule Jackson State for homecoming? All right, <laughs> obviously you had the game against Miles last week. I mean, earlier this month, can't can't do that one. That was first game of the season. In September, this preview game, don't want to have a homecoming in September. Right. Your next home game, obviously, you got the Jackson State home game. You got now, you do have Valley, who is a common homecoming opponent. Except should have been their homecoming. The fact, except the fact that that's going into a bye and coming out of the bye. You have the Magic City Classic. So for fans and financial purposes, I don't know if you want to have those two events back to back like that. So wait a minute, wait a minute. The schedule is the next game. So the schedule is what? They could have had Valley, then a bye, and then the Magic City Classic. Right. They do have Valley at home before before and then a bye afterwards. Bye and then Magic City Classic. Not quite oh, sure man, if you want to put I, your fans I, in that position. Yes, yes, you put them in that position. That's a that's that's a that you have the bye week. That is exactly what the bye week is for. You get a chance to recover after homecoming, and then the next week you get ready to take your butts to the Magic City Classic. Poor scheduling by Bama State. I mean, you know, that's okay. just my recommendation. That okay. I, I you know I, 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 but, I was trying I was trying to help them out. Yeah, no, no, I'm sorry. I, okay. I Poor scheduling by, by then. Yeah, the Good other on. top 10 matchup was UAPB, Alcorn State, uh, Arkansas, Pine Bluff had coming into this contest two and one. Uh, we were all uh, liking what we saw from Alcorn. I mean, of course, Alcorn, who uh, finally got that win over McNeese, uh, gave a game away against, uh, um, who was that? Stephen F. Austin. And so, for some people, I, I didn't think this game was going to be close 
Drew. But there is the fact that UAPB season went 180 after they played Alcorn, uh, what was it, last year? Uh, and, and so I think a lot of people were still waiting to see, is this the change? Is this, what is UAPB going to be? I mean, they had beaten up on some people. And and what we found out that, and and I love the way BJ said this, uh, Alcorn, he, he said Alcorn's back. I, I predict, I, look, that was my favorite to come out the West anyway, but um, Alcorn, Drops uh, a thir- drops a thirty eight twenty one victory. Um, fourth quarter, they scored four four touchdowns to close that game out after being down twenty one to ten in the third quarter. And uh, once again, very similar. I don't know. If it's not quite as dramatic as what happened last time these two teams met, but you know, once again. UAPB blows a lead and Alcorn ends up running, uh, literally running to a 38-21 victory and drew uh, not quite the same numbers that Jada Byers of Virginia Union had against Valdosta State, but we might have seen the second best performance rushing, and that was by Jarvion Howard who ran for 295 yards, 25 carries, four touchdowns. Three of those came uh, in the third and fourth quarter uh, from 11-24, and then he kicked off a 78-yarder late in the fourth quarter. Uh, Drew, uh, there's a lot of people talking about Alcorn is back. Were they ever gone for you? What's your take on Alcorn? as they put up 386 as a team on the ground, 484 total on UAPB. Alcorn was in the shop getting getting some uh, getting some maintenance. That's what they were last year. You know how you put your car in the shop for routine maintenance? That's what last year mm-hmm. was for Alcorn. Just put your shop in for your 100,000-mile checkup or, or whatever it needs to be. I'm going to flip over here to, to UAPB. Remember we started this show off talking about all two and two teams are not the same. Mm-hmm. UAPB falls into that category where they look good on paper, but they beat a Division Two Lane who just picked up their first victory. A little bit disappointed. Lane was one of those teams expected to, uh, who people expect to contend in the SIAC West, but they just picked up their first victory of the season. And then they beat, who was it, like a Northwestern State, another one of those uh, teams that have questionable classifications. So uh, this is why we don't do top tens at the BCSN. You call this a top ten matchup, Brian? This was a top ten matchup by default because when a lot of voters got down to number nine and number ten, you had to put UAPB in there just because they had a 500 record. Because when you looked and you saw teams like a North Carolina uh, A&T, who probably has a better team on paper, but they are 0-3. You can't justify putting the 0-3 team in. Most people can't justify putting the 0-3 team in before a 2-2 and team. So that's why we eliminated top 10. We went with top 5 so we don't give out the participation trophies around here. Let's move on to another game, man. 
Look, hey, I, I do want to ask this for the guys, for the folks in the chat room. Who are you buying? Who are you buying? Are you buying UAP or not UAPB? Are you buying Alcorn or are you buying Prairie View? If you can only buy one, who are you buying? Because, you know, I know a lot of people sold a Southern stock after last week, right? That was one of the, I mean, Southern was the preseason predicted winner of the West. Am I, am I correct on that? If, so, if you didn't sell it, it's on the market. <laughs> You're right. It's in the it's in the uh, the uh, the cell the uh, to be traded bin. Yeah. So I'm asking you guys out there. You tell me. Tell us. Are you buying Alcorn? Or are you buying Prairie View? Because I, I I think now it's come down to one of those two. Who is it? You know who's gonna be who's gonna come out the west? And and yes, before we get a little bit too crazy, yeah, we know Southern could reemerge. Anything can happen. It's still early, but it's the first quarter. The first quarter of the season, you got to buy stock in somebody. Is it Alcorn or Prairie View? I'm going to look in the polls here. I'm going to take a look. I'm going to see who we're buying. Come back on the other side. Let's talk about that Virginia Union Fayetteville State contest uh, on the other side. You're watching the BCSN Sports Wrap. We'll be back in just a couple minutes. That's a pretty tight spot. Watch this. Of course your view parks itself. That's so you. It's just up here on the right. Of course you know where we're going. That's so you. Kinda got six cents. And a head-up display. They're here. And hit the field, warm up. You brought all these players in your Buick? Yeah. So you. It is. There's a Buick that fits your life. Because at the heart of every Buick SUV is you. Follow the Black College Sports Network on social media at MyBCSN1, the number one, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at MyBCSN1. You see Head & Shoulders has a scalp shield technology protects against flakes even between washes. It's never not working. Kind of like us. Number 15? Never not working. I don't like this one. Me neither. Let's get out of here. Head & Shoulders scalp shield. Never not working. This is the Dean of the College of HBCU Sports, Kenyatta Cavill of Dr. Cavill's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop. Come mix it up in the lab where the course lecture is in session every Tuesday from 6 o'clock p.m. Central Standard Time on Facebook Live, YouTube, Spreaker, or the BCSN app. As we discuss all things about the HBCU sports culture, including exploring the week that was in the sporting HBCU dashboard as well as the upcoming week of HBCU Sports. With me, the Dean, the College of HBCU Sports, on Dr. Cavill's Inside HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Watts and Charles Bishop. Course lecture dismissed. Star Backyards Yellowwood brand pressure treated pine. If it doesn't have this yellow tag, 
you don't want it. It's like a loop machine. Fulford 80 Drew here uh, coming out of the break or heading into the break. Rather, I asked everybody, uh, who were you buying stock in Alcorn or Prairie View? And it seems like overwhelmingly people are buying Alcorn stock, Drew. I- I'm not surprised. I'm, you know, although you got, you a, vet- know, you got uh, a veteran coach there. Fred's been there. Fred has won. You know, Bubba McDowell's going to be good, but he doesn't have any history yet. So I'm going. You, you, you're going to take the safe stock. You know what? That that's a good way of describing that because although I did pick Alcorn, I do like the preview team again. A lot of things to like, you know. So that game. What's the date on that game? When those I know I don't know how far ahead. Oh, I got the I saw, uh, right November, November 15th, I believe, is what I just saw with Prairie View. And, November 4th. Uh, November, November 4th. 5th. At Prairie November 5th. 4th. November 5th. 4th. 4th. Alcorn's site says Alcorn's oh, website that's right. that's says a Friday, it's a Friday game. Friday. That is a Friday game. You are correct. Yes, it's I've a Friday game. Which sucks. I don't understand why that is a but it's on ESPNU, so maybe that's a good thing. But 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 there's a lot that can happen in the month of October. Um, so like they do, they do have Southern in October, and that game being October fifteenth. Yes, yes. So look, uh, a lot of football left to play. We can't look too far ahead, but just just putting that out there. There's still a lot of ball to play. And uh, I know the coaches will give the speech. We got to play one game at a time. Can't look too far ahead. Got to look at the next. They got to play one game at a time. We don't have to speculate one game at a time. (laughs) Right, right. Okay, let's move over. We'll come back and circle into some of the other uh, Division One games. But our other top game from the weekend was on the non-D1 level. Was a CIAA matchup. CIAA North versus the South. Virginia Union, who's uh, widely considered the number one team in the non-D1, mid-major, D2 level, however you want to categorize it, they are pretty much the consensus number one team coming into this matchup against Fayetteville State, who've been the the bridesmaids the last three seasons to Bowie. And this, this was their opportunity, Drew. Look, as much as I told you I was rooting for them against UNC Pembroke, to finally get it done, they failed me. Here they are with a home game against Union. And look, last week, the North beat the South 4-2. to two. You know, CIAA North versus the South. This week, it was even worse. 5-1, to one, the North dominated the South. And this was your marquee matchup as Union gets a 31-28 victory. Uh... Actually, you know, Fayetteville got out to a, what, a 14-0 lead, Drew, and even had as much as a lead 
going into, I believe, the fourth quarter uh, by a touchdown. And then and then uh, Union gets a gets a score by uh, uh Brady Myers gets a field goal. Didn't they? Probably the biggest play might have been a pick six that was thrown um, by Kari uh, Lane. Kari Lane, I think, threw three interceptions in the ball game. Uh, as good as he looked offensively, he he threw three picks, including the pick six, which then gave Union the lead. Uh, Union came back later on, on their next drive, um, and uh, Jada Jada Byers does what he does. And uh, pretty much that was all she wrote. A late touchdown by Fayetteville cut a 10-point deficit to three, but uh, outscored 17-7 to in the fourth quarter. And, Drew, um, you said it earlier, so kind of repeat your thoughts, but uh, Fayetteville just stated that another blown opportunity. Yeah, uh, another blown opportunity by the Fayetteville State. Broncos, you know, they had the opportunity to show that they need to be respected in the CIAA when it comes to Northern competition. They dominate the South. They've dominated the South for the last five years. Five years they have dominated the South, but they have not been able to win against the upper echelon of the North. This includes Bowie mm-hmm. State. Virginia Union, uh, Virginia State, and Sha- and Shawan when Shawan was good, but when, when Bryce Witt was the quarterback at Shawan, they had they've had their struggles. So there's nothing that shows me that Union will not be not only Fayetteville. Fayetteville is the class of the South. It's going to come down to Union State for the CIAA North, and then the championship game will be, let's not get anybody hurt, let's get to the playoffs. Now, let's talk about this guy. Uh, uh, What's his name, Brian, the running back, Jada? Oh, yeah, Jada Byers, Brian. Jada Byers, yeah. Jada Byers, Jada Byers. Had 161 yards on the day. That brings him to... Brian, you, you, you're a person who likes to play numbers. Like to, uh, love, love numbers. Love numbers. How about the number triple seven? A lucky number. Seven, seven, seven. Cha-ching. Well, Cha-ching. That's, how many, that's how many yards he's accumulated on the ground this year, Brian. 777 yards through four games. Let me, let me forecast this forward. At the pace that he's on at 192 yards per game, he will run for over 2,100 yards in an 11-game regular season. In order to have an 11-game regular season, Union has to make it to the CIAA championship game. So I wonder if those two things will correlate. If if Jada Byers runs for 2,000 yards, Union will be in the CIAA championship game. There's, there's no question about it. One thing you cannot do against this team, you cannot trail this team in the fourth quarter because all they're going to do is turn around and hand the ball to Byers, and he's going to run. He's going to milk the clock for you. You better have a lead in the fourth quarter, and you better be up by more than one touchdown because Jada Byers has been known to score on one or two play drives by himself. Yeah, 
Uh, and you said this is uh, week four, right? So only four weeks of the season, correct? Um, yes. First time that Union has been 4-0 since 2007. Uh, I saw that just on their on their website. And then while you were talking, I, I said, let me go punch up the NCAA.com stats. Where's Let me see where Jada Byers is ranked on the D2 level. Oh, yeah. Guess where he's sitting? Number one. Number one. Number one, sitting right there, uh, almost 73 yards ahead of a young man from Southwest uh, Minnesota State. There's only three players in the country that have rushed for over 700 yards through this past Saturday, Jada Byers being number one. And got to give an honorable mention to Emmanuel Wilson of Fort Valley State, who is number seven in the nation with 542 yards. So, uh, but, but, you know, I did, I did want to mention the, one of the things that I like about union. And when we talked to uh, Dr. Parker, you know, the, the big, the fact that they won that Valdosta state game on the road. And again, I mentioned to him that his three biggest opponents, and he's aware of this, you know, Fayetteville state Bowie and Virginia state are all road games. So imagine playing, when you look at a schedule, Drew, like, you know, you look at your 10-game schedule and you see, doggone, the four toughest games we have on paper, okay, are all road games. Virginia Union 2-0 and so far on those road games. And um, so I, look, I, a very impressive team. Uh, even in a game where Fayetteville State outgamed them by about 50 yards, outgained them by almost 200 yards in the air. Uh, th- this Virginia Union team is uh, is legitimate, and they are for real. Uh, just very quickly, the CIAA North, uh, we did mention, went 5-1 and one this week. Last week, they were 4-2, and two, I believe. They have one more North versus South matchup coming this week, and then they go into – uh, what how what what do you call it? What is it? Interdivisional matchups yeah, in, where you have inner 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 yeah okay inner divisional matchups, and uh, so I got to give a shout out to Lincoln PA. Mentioned this earlier this morning, Lincoln PA. Oh, before, you, before you get off of Lincoln PA, one other stat about Virginia Union. Just when you only score thirty one points in a game, and it hurts your average. Let's keep that into perspective. You only score 31 points in a ball game, and it hurts your <laughs> scoring average. But Union is still number one in the nation by over a one point per game at 48.8 points per game. Now we can move on. Well, well said, well said. Offensive juggernaut, Virginia Union Panthers. Go get your gear now, folks. Virginia Union's for real. Hey, uh, so – the uh, where where was I going here? The other the CIAA, yeah, Lincoln PA gets its first road win since two thousand and nine, and they are sitting at two and two. Drew, one and one in the conference. Now you might say, as you said earlier, all two and twos aren't the same. Well, I'll tell you why this two and two is pretty significant. They have not won more than. They have not won two or more games in almost seven years. 2015 was the last time that Lincoln PA, well, they won three games that season. 
after that, they've either gone winless or have just won a game. And those games have, are usually against either Johnson C. Smith or Elizabeth City or maybe Livingstone. And I'm just unofficially predicting that those are the three teams that they've beaten those years. And if you don't beat those teams, then you're not getting a win, right? Uh, and I love there's a there's a viral video that I've seen running around of a coach from Johnson C. Smith uh, talking about, I think it was Friday night, saying, all right, we're going to get our first win of the, of the season against Lincoln. And uh, Lincoln did the good old quote retweet quote retweet about uh how'd that work out for you yeah, i just love it i just love it just love hey, the... Brian. let's think let's think about this lincoln two two and two one and one in conference mm-hmm. would you have would you have thunk it yes i said thunk would you have thunk yeah, it like what <laughs> that lincoln would have the same record as Bowie state in Fayetteville State at this point in time in the season? No. No, I would not have. Though not all have. three of those teams are two and two, one and one. Well, look, hey, uh, very interesting how the CIAA is rolling early. Uh, Shaw is now sitting in first place in the South, two and oh after a 35-16 win over EC at uh, Elizabeth City. So, yeah, there, there's nothing nothing about this season in the CIAA looks normal right now. And so it only makes for some interesting matchups during the course of the year. And just a reminder, the CIAA going to the eight-game conference schedule. So all of these matchups. All in the, Virginia State games this weekend then. Well, yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that because I, that I becomes particular state then for then for Shaw. I, you know what? I don't know. I, it, I, I don't think there's an either or because you you have to win this game to stay relevant in in the division or in the standings, right? You, both of these teams need to stay unbeaten as much as possible because. Look, Shaw's big matchup, of course, is going to come against Fayetteville State. But I think for Shaw, if Shaw can pull out a victory, as they, look, they've already beaten Bowie. Now you can turn around and beat Virginia State. That means you've beaten, what, let's let's easily say two of the top three or four teams from the north. I, I mean, that yeah. you, that's, got, that's got to make you feel really good when you run into that game against Fayetteville State. You know, and uh, so that's and Fayetteville uh, State does host shot this year on October 29th. Right. So there, there's an opportunity there for, for look, we, Fayetteville State may still find their way in the CIAA championship. It's still possible. Uh, but, you know, just right now, they're licking their wounds, licking their wounds. Let's jump over to the SIAC, Drew. Of course, Drew writes. Uh, for D2Football.com, covering the SIC, um, the top three teams out of the East, Benedict, Fort Valley State, Albany, all, Albany State, excuse me, all got wins, strong wins. Uh, you and Jamie Walker called the Benedict game a 40-14 to 14 win over Kentucky State. But you said something kind of interesting to me, Drew, and I, 
you know, seeing how the polls have been lately, Benedict, uh, let, let me see. I'm saying, where's Benedict currently? Coming into this week, Benedict was number three, getting some first place votes, but <clears throat> I don't think you were one of those first place voters because you don't seem too sold on Benedict, if I'm hearing you don't, correctly. Don't give it all. Benedict is a good team, especially defensively. They are a good team. Benedict's defense may be on the level that Albany State's defense was last year. Still need a couple more uh, games, put on my inner bike watch. I still need a couple more data points to to quantify that. But they are trending towards what Albany State did on last year. Not quite at that level, but just below that level for Albany State of last year. Benedict's deficiency, if it's going to hurt them, will be their kicking game. They're, uh, they're one for one for five on field goals this year, I do believe. One for five on field goals this year. Can't win, can't win a close ball game like that. They, in this game against Kentucky State, when the game was still very much in question. Matter of fact, I think they were trailed at one point in time when this happened. The punter did not punt the ball for a first down. Oh, like a fourth and eight. Let's think about that. And then there was another time where the punt may have gone 15 yards. So he, he shanked two of them off the side of his foot. You cannot have that, especially when you have as good of a defensive team as Benedict has. All you got to do is back them up and let these guys make the, make the opponent go 70, 80 yards. And that defense will make the play. That defense will make a play early. If you get into the midfield, they let you get down. They're bad. They won't break. That defense is that good. Other thing is they've got the two-quarterback system with uh, Lampley and Phoenix. Yesterday, Lampley was clearly the better quarterback of the two. All Excuse me. Phoenix was clearly the better quarterback of the two with four touchdowns passes on the day. But Lampley did have the other touchdown on the day for for uh, for Benedict. So they they are like two the two different styles of quarterback. Phoenix is the quarterback who will who will take off and run. Lampley will try to will he'll scramble, but he's looking to get the ball down the field as he's scrambling. And the one thing I like about Benedict, they've got a three headed monster in the backfield to run the ball. Benedict, another one of these teams, don't let them be up on you in the fourth quarter because they will eat the clock. By the way, Brian, yesterday, 240. 240 was the game time. <laughs> you, you called it. Hey, look, I because I was wondering because I tried to call you guys at uh, 9 o'clock while I'm still somewhere in And I was the, already to call. Yeah, see, I was already – I was calling you guys in the fourth quarter – of the uh, FAMU game, and yeah, no one's answering the phones. I'm like, where, where are these guys? The stream went off, and I'm like, don't tell me this game is over. But then I, and then I remembered, yeah, Drew, Drew said it'd probably be two and a half hours, and sure enough, that game was over, two forty. Yes, yeah, yeah, pretty, pretty good stuff, pretty good stuff. Uh, across the rest of the SIC, uh, of course, Fort Valley. That was a top 10 matchup. Uh, you poo-pooed it already, uh, the fact that Bluefield State 
was a was ranked number 10. Fort Valley is one of those top four, top five teams. Uh, they got a 44-27 victory on the road at Bluefield. Uh, Tuskegee got win 701 against Allen University. Miles with a 20-point victory over Central State. Lane keeps Edward Waters in the winless column with a 20-9 win. And Morehouse defeated Savannah State 15-3. Look, the top uh, any, five any teams, I was say, the top five teams in the SIAC all won last this past weekend. I'll say top five teams based on preseason uh, predictive order of finish. You had your three teams in the East, Albany State, Fort Valley State, Benedict, and in the West you had Tuskegee and Miles also won. Yeah, yeah. All right, um, let's take a short break, come back with some uh, sort of wrap-up, some notes about the uh, Division One level, give out a few grades, and then coming up shortly, the BCSN Top 5. I know that's what you guys are waiting on, the BCSN Top 5, so that's coming up here shortly. You're watching the BCSN Sports Wrap with Brian and AD. We'll be back in just a moment. This is the BCSN Pod Zone, your place for the news, views, and conversations about all things related to HBCU athletics. Hear the BCSN Sports Wrap, Dr. Cavill's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab, Knights of the Roundtable, The Pregame Show, The Carlos Brown Show, The ONG Strike Zone, and more in one place. We are changing the way. You consume HBCU sports one broadcast at a time. Maureen is saving big holiday shopping at Amazon. So now she's free to become Maureen the Marrier. Food is her love language. And she really loves her grandson. Like really loves. Nope. Nope. Come on, him. Ooh, I like him. Quick, the quicker picker-upper. Bounty picks up messes quicker, and each sheet is two times more absorbent, so you can use less. He's an eight. He's a nine. Bounty, the quicker picker-upper. Mobile banking from Truist actually works for you. It gives you simple, smart, personalized insights to keep you one step ahead. Because we think that's the kind of control you deserve over your money. When you start with care, you get a different kind of bank. Truist. Download the mobile app now. It's like a loot machine.
Trap, Brian and AD here, special guest right now, joining us, rejoining us uh, from a couple weeks ago. Glad to have you back in there, Kelvin Carter. Kelvin, how you doing, my man? Hey, doing well, man. Enjoying this great Sunday. All right. All right. Good to hear. Good to hear. Um, hey, uh, let's start with uh, your Alcorn State Braves. I give you a chance to kind of jump in and talk about how excited, you know, one of the questions that I put out to people was who they, who are they buying? I don't know if you caught the first uh, half hour uh, or the first, uh, the last segment or two um, put out there to folks between Prairie View's win and Alcorn State's win, you know, uh, you kind of look at those two wins and those two teams in comparison, a lot of people jumping off the Southern bandwagon, I asked the question, who are you buying? Alcorn or Prairie View? Seem to be overwhelmingly on the side of Alcorn. I know you're buying Alcorn, but tell me what your thoughts are after the win against UAPB. Well, um, what I, I did notice one thing. Uh, the running back room is, is really good for Alcorn State University. Um, I'm not all the way buying them right now because what I've seen is we we really got an opportunity to see great coaching, recognize a deficiency, uh, a deficiency on the UAPB side, and really, really rush the ball. I mean, he rushed for 24 carries, 295 yards, but it leads me to believe something else. We could get nothing going in the passing game with an efficient passer. So um, I'm not all the way buying but I, I'll take them this time. But we must uh, begin to see how what we're going to be able to do when they when teams just stack the box and force us to throw the ball. So you're so you're not buying. So is it is it what the passing attack that you're not buying offensively? Uh, what what what's your hesitation in your level of excitement after four games? Well, I, I'm just not excited. The, the passing game is just not developed as a as a dependable component. So we already know moving forward, then especially with the biggest game on campus on November 19th against Jackson State University, they're going to bump and run on the sides, load the box with Aubrey Miller and those guys. And will we be able to pass the, the football? And I think we have to prove that we're going to be able to pass the football in these next three games. It's proven we can run it. I mean, we, uh, Nico Duffy is a phenomenal back. Javion Howard's a phenomenal back. The running game is proven. However, I think it was more or less proven against some lackluster defenses with regards to that. Okay. Okay. Um, all right, guys, let's uh, let's finish up and put a bow on the uh, Division One level from the past weekend. Um, very quickly, I will mention that the MEAC, after going 4-1 and one last week and getting a lot of praise from a lot of us, this week they go three. And that one win was courtesy of North Carolina Central, who we all predicted to beat Virginia uh, VUL, uh, VU Lynchburg, rather, uh, Virginia Lynchburg. Uh, they beat them like 59-14, another big day for uh, Davius Richard. I, you know, I, I, I don't care to go any too deep into the MEAC other than mentioning the one big loss was, I think, the South Carolina State loss to North Carolina A&T. And we talked about Drew last week that that game, we both kind of felt that game was a must win for somebody. Probably a bigger game for A&T 
than it was for South Carolina State. Uh, North Carolina T beat State for the seventh consecutive time. Uh, so that was pretty impressive for the Aggies. Uh, what, are, what are your thoughts on A&T? Does this kind of set them up in a good place going into their conference? And have you soured at all on South State, or are you kind of just saying, well, non-conference game, they were here in the same spot last year, and then Drew, am I on mute? I know. I had lost audio there for a second, uh, though. Okay. But uh, yeah, okay, no, I was... it's it's more the same, but like of a better word, when it comes to South Carolina State, Look, South Carolina State is truthfully all they care about is winning the BA, getting to the Celebration Bowl, and I'm I'm gonna steal your line, Kelvin, getting the bag. That's all South Carolina State uh, really cares about is getting the bag at at the end, because they have they will probably only have two wins going into BAC conference play, and that other win will be VUL, who VUL probably has a tougher strength of schedule sidebar probably has a tougher strength of schedule than half of our FCS teams do because that's all they play is FCS it seems like, but. Irregardless, Kendrell Flowers was not available for this game. I'm assuming he was out hurt. So if I would have known that going into this game, I would have definitely leaned towards A&T. Because when Richard Richard has to throw the ball 50 times for South Carolina State, forget, forget who the quarterback is. For a Buddy Few team to throw the ball 50 times, Buddy, we don't pass anywhere, even on the interstate in the fast lane. Pew. No, nah, it's not a good point. <laughs> Kelvin, uh, what are your thoughts? A&T, South Carolina State. Um, de- Definitely show. Now, he did uh, did some fast lane. I mean, he threw. The numbers were incredible. Uh, he had the four touchdowns, um, 126 passer rating, 316 yards. Uh, this, you know, with, with two interceptions to go with that, by the way. Um, I'm, I tend to lean with, with Drew. I think that they're playing for conference play and to make their way back to the Celebration Bowl. Uh, it will be really, really interesting if they make it back because the MEAC SWAC Challenge is set up for next year, JSU and South Carolina State. So all of this could roll into, you know, it wouldn't be intentional, but if they make it back to the Celebration Bowl and JSU makes it, then you got the same game back-to-back on a rematch. So. I'm looking forward to seeing what South Carolina State does moving forward with their, with their next opponent. Just to look in ahead here at AMT's schedule, they've got they begin Big South play coming up where they take on Bryant University. Again, this was again AMT was favorite, you know, by by the people in the Big South. So they've got Bryant University coming up. Then they've got Edward Waters, who, uh, and that's after a bye. So they've got Bryant, then they've got a bye. Then they go into Edward Waters. uh, And then they've got uh, a couple other games, uh, Robert Morris. And then the Campbell game is at the end of October. So it'll be kind of interesting seeing A&T, of course, trying to position themselves for a playoff bid. And obviously, if they can win the Big South, they can find themselves in the playoffs. and, And that's what they're fighting for. So I think for them, 
kind of interesting seeing them get going. And in South Carolina State, I, I guess we just kind of wait to see what what happens with them. Let's jump over quickly a couple of games we didn't mention in the SWAT. Jackson State, 49 straight points after giving up a touchdown early. Um, 49-7 victory over Mississippi Valley State. Uh, thank you, Jackson State, for take, covering the over. Um, Drew, any uh, quick thoughts there on Jackson State and Valley? I'm sorry. Never in doubt. Never in doubt. Jackson Never State pretty doubt. much covered the over by themselves. I think the over was like 51 to 52 points, where Jackson State had 49 of them. Just needed, it was 14 yeah, to 7 at half. Out. Hey, I'm yeah. not gonna lie. It was 14 to seven at half, and I was I was nervous. I was about this nervous, and then I realized, oh yeah, Jackson State they gonna turn it on coming out of whenever they have a bad half. I know the third quarter is gonna be gonna be lit up. So yeah, they took care of business. Um, what was it we were talking about earlier, Drew? About them having a bye? They got a bye week, and Coach Sanders gave them a week off. What was that? Yeah. Uh, they they'll practice Tuesday and Wednesday of this week. They'll be off the rest of the week after that. They'll come back to the lab on a week from today on Sunday to prepare for Alabama State, who they are Alabama State's homecoming opponent. You know what? So, and that that's you know what that that's a very pro schedule, right? I mean, Dion, Coach Sanders, uh, you know. Uh, that's that's a very professional mindset that he's got those guys in. It's like that's what we do. That's how the schedule rolls in the pro level, right? Where where guys, you kind of get that time off. You may have a day or two for meetings, just workouts, and then what? You're you kind of come in, and then you're yeah, and then and then you kind of and then you go from there. Um, any, any quick thoughts there, Kelvin, on on Jackson State? How about or any thoughts on Valley on the other side of that? Well, I, I just think Valley right now is suffering from not a lack of talent per se, but it's becoming evident the way the Jackson State uh, roster is built that they they their their twos are really coming along as formidable factors, and that's how in, in building a program. And I think it's a lot being made of the homecoming piece. I think guys kind of play into it, but within the swag, the when swag play starts, it's just inadvertent that you're going to end up somebody's homecoming. You know, it's not going to be one of those scenarios where, you know, you a guy can manipulate the schedule to have. Um, for I'll give you a prime example. I went to Alcorn State University, and we played Prairie View for years, and it was almost a foregone conclusion that we were going to win. But all of a sudden, Prairie View got into a power space. They started winning ball games. And then it began the uh-oh of homecoming, and I believe we might have lost one of those games. So I think they, I think some coaches use this as an over-motivational tool, whereas it's just scheduling. It's just going to happen. You know, it's, it's it. But his roster is, is deep. I mean, very deep, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Um, I was just taking a peek here at Valley's schedule. The next three weeks – they're at FAMU, they host Alcorn, and they're at Alabama State. And so I'm sitting here thinking, where is a win going to – you know, because you got – I'm look, I wasn't one of these people hey, that hey, was saying – Brian, I will cut you, I will cut you off. <laughs> FAMU, FAMU barely got out of it to be the last year with the W. 
So let, let, oh, don't look go. past. Here you go. Don't look past. I mean, not- even though it's a even though it's a brag and fab, you when we put the thirteen game home winning streak on the line. Let's not forget last year, fab you struggled. I mean, they they struggled. If that game was fifty eight minutes, fab you may have lost that game. But it was a full sixty, and fab you won that game. So, uh, Alcorn Valley on paper, Alcorn should be the favorite. But it's Alcorn Valley. Anything can happen with with those teams from Mississippi get together. Point blank. Kelvin tell you that anything can happen with those two Mississippi teams can get together. I, I don't believe that, Valley. Kelvin. I, I thank you, I thank you, Kelvin. Crazy. I don't believe that at all. I don't believe that. That, that is, this is that's like coach speak. That that's broke. coach speak. You, you no, no. I, <laughs> thank I'm you, Kelvin. Very, very I'm being very clear with this. Somebody just put it in the chat. Valley has talent, but they're they're working with limited resources. I will tell you this: it, if you go to campus, you'll kind of get a feel for that. You know, like when you walk up and you see, when you see what you see, you'll see that if they're close to winning, that might as well be a win for them, based upon the scenario that they're working in. So it's it's very challenging for me. That's the reason why I think Coach Sanders always says his dear friend and. Before he, you know, before he scores forty nine straight on him in the second half, uh, my dear friend Coach Danji, <laughs> doing amazing work. It's just so challenging based upon the conditions that they're working. I, so I, you go boy for change folks. And I'll well, go well, back. I'm looking at this stuff. How? Okay, so so look, let, let's talk about the elephant in the room for a second. How long are we supposed to just? be okay with Valley being in this Valley, no pun intended, uh, and and nobody say anything. Uh, or maybe they are saying it, but nobody's listening. Look, I know I know the state of Mississippi is dealing with some stuff right now uh, on some different levels, um, you know, with some lawsuits and some, you know, some, some money mis- being misappropriated and things like that. But it really seems like the Valley – uh, lack of resource thing. Who, who, last week, were we talking about them dropping the D two, Drew? But but that's not a reality that I think is going to happen. So, at what point is someone going to talk about a resolution or a fix to this? Because I, I'm right. just look. This if that's right. a bigger discussion. Well, I know. Go ahead. It's, it's a bigger discussion. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna put this one point out there. And y'all may pull my alumni card for saying this. FAMU is valid with a few more resources right now. Mm. Wow. Facilities. With a few more with a few more facilities and with a few more facilities. The dysfunction at, at, at FAMU right now is almost on the level that Valley has had for years, and the dysfunction that FAMU has had for years in their athletic department are, are very similar. The only thing is, fam, you started ahead of Valley with facilities and a few more resources. But other than that, they, they, they're, they're very similar. Well, the real elephant in the room, guys, and, and, and people in the state of Mississippi know this, take Jackson State out of the scenario. There, there's an undercurrent that is, that is attempting – to merge and or blend those institutions with other state institutions, because you mentioned D2 Delta state is right up the street. 
And if you go to those two facilities, both state, yeah, both stated, both similar in the same area, it's like night and day. And when you see it, it Delta State is who? Delta State is in Cleveland, Mississippi. Yeah, Gulf South. Yep. No, no, no. I mean, where are they? You're saying they're right there in the valley. They're in the same area as Valley, Mississippi Valley State? Oh, yeah. Next county over, if I remember correct. Yes, the next county over. And if you go to Delta State and then drive to Valley, in your mind, you would have to say there has to be a reason they are doing this. And the narrative around it is, and it's been this way about for the last decade, is they're trying to push it to where the Valley would have to merge with Delta State. That's that's the elephant in the room that most Mississippians know about. And that's what that's what the person in the in the piece just put in the chat. You know, Delta State is they're better than probably half the swag teams right now because of the way they're funded. But Drew told me yesterday about the number of scholarships which are offered. It doesn't make sense that the Delta State is better, but if you underfund one so low, then those 33 scholarships or whatever they get at the D2 level can beat the, the scholarships as you have at the Division One AA level. Yeah, I, I I think Drew. I know we do the. I, I mean, we we gonna have to do a midweek podcast on the valley the the valley situation because I I just I it, it's we constantly come up with it. It feel like it feels like I feel like valleys this stepchild that we don't really talk about, but we all continue to say the same thing every week and say, oh, their losses because of resources. I that may be it's probably very legitimate that it is. But how many weeks and years are we going to continue to say that? I'm, well, I, Brian, my, and my, I, look, I, look, my family roots are from that area. My, my mother's generation is from that area of Mississippi. That's why that, yeah. that Valley piece, you know, kind of stri- strikes a nerve with me, you know. Yeah. My, my, my family roots are not that far from Cleveland. Mississippi, where Delta State is. So I've been I've, when yeah. I've gone to gra- grandparents' house. I've been to Cleveland to to go shopping. So uh, I understand that it, everything that uh, Kelvin is talking about right here. Well, here's the other part that makes it so alarming. You go from Archie Cooley, Theopolis, Danzy, and those guys in that type of competitive atmosphere with with Jerry Rice and those guys playing and growing up watching this and seeing the competitive nature of the Valley to then seeing everyone else's resources continue to improve upon time. And like you said, this is something that I've seen for the better part of a quarter of a century. You know, so if I'm complaining about what Alcorn has and the lack of resources, just imagine what somebody at the Valley is talking about in terms of lack of resources. All right. Well, I, I I know a few people here that I and and some of them in our chat room here that I'm I'm gonna reach out to because I I want to just kind of bring in and just have that deeper discussion regarding Valley. I'm I'm not trying to solve any problems, but I am trying to get a little more information out clarity. there and clarity. But just even from a historical standpoint, because I think again we all talk around it. And there's a few people who are very well educated on it and know it, lived in it, seeing it, but we don't really talk about it because of whatever reason. Other other schools are having success, and then we it's all framed around athletics and athletic success. 
So, again, as, as we talk about the SWAC conference moving up, well, Valley has been one of those staples in the SWAC. So my big question will be, how is the conference looking at Valley and how will the conference help uh, uh, how will the conference help Valley rise up? Can they? You know, will they? I, I'm just posing questions, not trying to get an answer today well, right now. Brian, Brian, I hope it doesn't come to what happened with Savannah State for all those years. You know, now Savannah State moved from Division Two to Division One. Joined the MEAC conference. Now, Valley's obviously a different uh, animal because Valley has been in the SWAC conference since, uh, I want to say, the 40s. Don't quote me on that. I see Dr. Cavill is on the chat. He could actually give it a year. But I know, I believe Valley was in there before Jackson State was in the SWAC, if I have my history right. I'm not 100% sure on that. But they may get to that point, that realization that Savannah State got to where it just was not financially viable for them to remain in the SWAC. We hope it does not get to that. I'm not wishing that on them. But here's the, here's the thing. Savannah State had the benefit of being able to go back to an HBCU conference being the SIAC, their former home. If Valley leaves the SWAC, the SWAC conference, where are they going to land? Does because does the SIAC go that far west and let let Valley into the SIAC geographically? They're they're in the Gulf South Conference geographically. So do they do they lose their blackness and go to go to the whiteness and go to a white conference? Do they force them to merge with the Delta State? These these are some realities that you possess may have to be answered yeah, but, within but, the next five years. Yeah, but Drew, who are we, you know, and, and, and I don't know why, why is that, why is them moving down something being even discussed and talked about? I mean, because, I mean, look. Because I, they have they have I, a budget that's smaller than a lot of D2s, and they're playing on the D1 level. That's, that's number one. Number two, they don't have the facilities befitting a Division One institution. I don't care if it's black, white, green, or yellow. Their facilities are not up to division one standards right now. The that, new, bas- the that basketball, that arena, no, I disagree over, with you. Over, that that arena, overall, that arena, overall, well, facilities are not, overall, their, their facilities are not, they're struggling. They, they, this may be their first year that they fully funded all of their scholarships in football which is why they could not play any of those much-needed check games. But then you got to put the the value and the these kids' safety potentially in jeopardy by going out and playing a check game against a, a, a school. So there are a lot of things that may be intentionally or unintentionally working against Valley. Power to the Delta Devils for persevering through what they have and I know they have a plan for it, but Brian, you and I both know we can have the best plan in the world. Sometimes reality has to set in, and I hope it does not set in. I hope they continue to crawl along that road. I hope they do not fall down and cannot get up. Well, I think another thing, too, as we kind of transition past this piece, 
is that the one of the chat well, one of the in the chat is saying that their their budget across the board is sad. Let's let, let's just kind of take the football piece out. You mentioned that great arena. I, I'm of this belief, and I and I'd love to admire that East Coast. I forget which conference with Morgan State and that group in Winston Salem out there with the basketball tournament. I admire that because with basketball, it takes twelve yeah, players. You know, yeah, you need 12 players, and you, you can, if you can get you a couple of good recruits in there, you can assimilate a pretty good product. Um, ask the guys down at Texas Southern with Kevin, Dr. Kevin Granger's doing an amazing job with basketball. Landon Bussey just came over, did a great job with basketball at Alcorn State University, and we're secluded where our competition is Jackson. Just let it be said, I don't know from a physical perspective if the move down would even shift any anything that's happening. I don't think a shift, I don't think moving down would make them more competitive as they have more problems or more challenges around budget than just where they play. They can stay in the swag and finish middle of the road, let Danzy get a class of kids that become seniors, and Valley is a problem to deal with for that time, and then they'll have to cycle back down again. So that that's what we have to really have to look at. And they joined in the 1968-69 academic year, joined the SWAC. Yeah, thanks, Doctor, for putting right. that in. And, and 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 one of the things that I, you know, I talked about how, and I saw Doc put this in the in the chat is the the impact of the television contracts and how the the funds that come from those ad dollars and the relationships that are being built now will go towards helping all the schools. Obviously, some schools will benefit more. I mean, let me say, they all benefit. But some schools like Valley, you will really benefit from getting that extra money from the TV contracts and things of that nature. And and again, like I said, I I, I got us off onto this tangent. But again, I, I just hate constantly talking about Valley losses, then go to, we go to, budget and it, it just you know lack of resources and we continue to tie all that together and I know that coaching staff and everybody is trying to fight against that and just play good football play you know gather the troops and, and put everybody in the best position to win ball games you know and uh, it, it is interesting how money and resources, equate to wins, losses, and championships. You know, I, I, that's a great study for somebody's thesis. I, I might need to start working on that been, to get mine ready. Uh, it's been done. You know, yeah, yeah. But, I, but I, you know, it makes me want, in this day and age of, of this, where you have the television rights and co- contracts and the increased value uh, that, that schools are making now. Um, so... I, it's well, it's just a fascinating. Go ahead, Kelvin. No, I had just one question of both of you. If you see that something is broken, and there's no apparent fix within the immediate future, for the safety and well-being of it, until and until you can do it right, would it be better not to fund a football program in its entirety, and really focus on all of your other sports? Because this is one that you, you can't get right due to the lit lack of funding. So my whole question is, and I heard this from a SWAT coach say, is cult, do we do things that we claim are culture that don't make sense? 
So does it make more sense to take your funds and equitably spend them in the proper way to support basketball, uh, men's and women's basketball, tennis, whatever other sports you have there, as opposed to, because your football team cannot be generating revenue for you, but you're spending money on them. Uh, that that is a that's an interesting question. I I think there's a lot of his. Ooh, that's a tough one, man. I, I need I need I, I can't answer that right in this in this time space because I, I one we don't, I don't think we got enough time to to hear me really to hear my mind and, and the gears in my mind uh, go around in circles trying to answer that. I think I will say that I think there's a lot of historical. The fact that there is so much history and tradition in Valley and their football program, um, and and there are cycles, you know, there are wins and losses, there are cycles, there are ebbs and flows to everybody's season. Not everybody, their dynasties don't last forever. You know, everybody has cycles uh, of good and bad. Um, that's a great question, Kelvin. I, I don't have – go ahead, Drew. Jump uh, – answer however you want to answer. I don't have an answer for you, Kelvin. It's a great question. I, I'm just going to put it – you know, we talked about this budget, and it's not all football. I'm taking a look at the basketball schedule. Of the 14 non-conference games that Valley have, 13 of them on the men's side are on the road. And the one that they have at, at home is – the Friday before Thanksgiving, just one a day when you're not going to have a whole lot of kids support because if they if they don't have school that next week, they're going to be packing up Thursday and leaving campus. They probably won't even be there that Friday before Thanksgiving. And on the women's side, they have two of eleven nine conference games at home, and one of those is during the week of Thanksgiving. So, even though you're playing at home, you're not going to have the the fan support that you would typically want to see. The other one is at home on December 1st against Utah for the, uh, for the Lady Devils. Yeah, there, there's a lot of it's, this. This is actually a strange piece, and, and, and I know we have to transition. I watched a SWAC school that will remain named fly into, fly into Milwaukee. It's the men's basketball team. They flew into Milwaukee played the University of Milwaukee, Wisconsin, then then drove over and played uh, Wisconsin, the Badgers of Wisconsin, took a charter bus to Chicago and played DePaul, <laughs> took the same bus down 55 and played St. Louis University, took the same bus down 55 and played Arkansas State. Before And I talked with the coach, Travis Ford of St. Louis U, and I asked him how much they paid Valley. He said we paid him about $28,000. But he said – he almost wanted to cancel the game because he did not have a physically able opponent. When after they came off of a six game road trip, they flew and rode a bus and then they rode a bus all the way back to their destination in Mississippi, just for a bag to try to close yeah, the gaps of underfunding. Yeah. That, that's, that's asking but, a that's lot. A Let's take it to break, Brian. <laughs> Yeah, let's let's uh let's take it a break. Come back after this. We'll debut the BCSN top five coming up after the break. Uh maybe give out a few grades and then start looking ahead to what's coming up 
in week number what are we at week five week five my goodness heading week, week five, five already here man heading into week five all right you're watching the bcsn sports wrap we'll be back in just a moment that's a pretty tight spot watch this of course your beard barks itself that's so you it's just up here on the right of course you know where we're going that's so you kind of got a six sense and a head of display here. Hit the field. Warm up. You brought all these players in your Buick? Yeah. So you. It is. There's a Buick that fits your life because at the heart of every Buick SUV is you. Follow the Black College Sports Network on social media at MyBCSN1, the number one, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at MyBCSN1. You see Head & Shoulders has scalp shield technology, protects against flakes even between washes. It's never not working. Kind of like us. Number 15? Never not working. I don't like this one. Me neither. Let's get out of here. Head & Shoulders scalp shield, never not working. This is the Dean of the College of HBCU Sports, Kenyatta Cavill of Dr. Cavill's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop. Come mix it up in the lab where the course lecture is in session every Tuesday from 6 o'clock p.m. Central Standard Time on Facebook Live, YouTube, Spreaker, or the BCSN app. As we discuss all things about the HBCU sports culture, including exploring the week that was in the sporting HBCU dashboard as well as the upcoming week of HBCU Sports. With me, the Dean, the College of HBCU Sports, on Dr. Cavill's Inside HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Watts and Charles Bishop. Course lecture dismissed. Star Backyards, Yellowwood brand pressure treated pine. If it doesn't have this yellow tag, you don't want it. It's like a loot machine. Welcome back to the BCSN Sports Wrap. Brian Fulford here. Let me make sure I thought it might be a mute. Nope. Brian, AD, and Kelvin. Uh, Kelvin Carter here joining us. Um, hey, uh, one again, thank everybody. You guys are, are uh, dropping some good nuggets and some good discussion in the, in the chat room. And I, I'm going to apologize for I'm the one who steered us left into – that conversation in the last segment, <laughs> clearly, uh, that's more, it's a very nuanced thing.
thing, and I, you know, it was totally un, pre, un unresearched and prepared, and and so I mean, but but I mean, we've got people here uh, who have you're in it, lived it, and you're aware of it. So I appreciate your comments, Kelvin. Um, I, I just I didn't know we were gonna steer that way. So again, my my apologies for driving us that way, Drew. Um, but it just was. It was just one of those things that it's like, oh, look, car accident. And I just drove that way to kind of see what was going on. And if you call it another know, just kind of, yeah, cause another one. Or we just or we just end up hanging out, watching the, the scene for like an hour. So that that's what that felt like. But I, I am serious about uh, some parts of that, about wanting to, uh, to, to, to do – more or a series of little things just to kind of from a historical perspective you know just ask some questions and see what kind of answers we 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 get just just to educate ourselves and i I think that's that that's needed uh so all right let's give some grades i I know we we got to keep it moving here because we got the top five that we got to get out let's give some grades let's start over in the major Division Again, we're looking at grades from out of the HBCU Pro Sports Media Association top 10 poll where Jackson State is the number one undisputed school. Now, what's interesting about the the poll uh, and the results only uh, among the top five, really among the top seven, eight, among the top eight, only uh, Jackson State and North Carolina Central were one and two. They won handily. Uh, and then you had Alcorn State, who was, let's see, they were sitting at sixth. But all around them, you had Hampton lose to Delaware. You had Alabama State, of course, losing. You had South Carolina State losing. Delaware State losing. You had Arkansas Pine Bluff losing. So a lot of losses. So there's going to be some shuffling in the top ten. Let's start with our guest, Kelvin. Who gets your best grade uh, from the uh, – from uh, the top 10 teams. Uh, before you I get to Kelvin, to... I, I was going to say this. Hey, Brian, can we just go ahead and give Jackson State their ace since they busting the curve for the whole rest of the class? But they might not have gotten the A-plus, Drew. So I, I'm just, you know, I'm, <laughs> I, I mean, look, we, we understand Jackson State is, they, they are the standard, but you know why I can't give them an A-plus? Because they got scored on first. They were down 7-0, not giving them an A-plus when you got scored on right. on the opening possession. And then you were 14-7 at halftime. See? Go ahead, Kelvin. Um, I'm with Drew. That's great on the curve, but I would give all corner A. Uh, that running attack was just phenomenal. Um, it was even more phenomenal to watch. Uh, props to HBCU go uh, with the game, with great clarity with the game. Uh, but I'm just saying, it, it, that running attack was amazing. And to, and to just see it just completely take over and to see a coach really stick to his guns on what needed to happen for them to win. So I give him an A for coming back in that game, being steady. So they get an A, not an A-plus, but an A. All right, that, that's your best your best grade from the weekend. Drew, your best grade goes to whom? Well, obviously, uh, I'm throwing Jackson State out because they get, they get their mandatory A. Uh, and now for, for so for redundancy purposes, I'm not gonna mention Alcorn. I actually want to go with Preview and give them an A minus. Uh, they played a good game against 
Alabama State. They they held on and held on in that particular game until they were finally able to get over the top, uh, cause a couple of turnovers in order to get them over the top in that game late. So I have to give it a minus to preview A and M. Okay, um, I, you know, you give him an A. You give him an A minus. That was that was my team. Uh, I'm going to give him an A, a solid A, real close to an A plus, uh, for the simple fact that of all of the top ten teams, they were the only one that went on the road and got a dub. Went on the road to Alabama State, got a win, which is hard to get wins on the road, even though you're home uh, road favorite. So they covered the spread. They went on the road, got a win. I mean, if it wasn't for the fact that, yeah, and, and hold on, did they win the turtle? I think they won every category. They might get the A-plus here from me, Drew. Let me double-check here uh, real quick, real quick, because I'm looking at the team stats now. Let me see. Uh, even though they, they they outgained them on total yardage, total passing, total rushing, yeah, no, more – more. Uh, uh, yeah, Alabama State did did take the lead on a couple of things. So yeah, solid A performance uh, by uh, by uh, Preview A and M. So that that would be my best grade, as you said, of the week. All right, let's go worst worst grade from the weekend. Kelvin, who you got? Worst grade? Uh, worst grade might be Alabama A and M. Even with even with them not playing, I just thought they actually had a chance against FAM, and I thought that they would, you know, round in a little bit better. FAM was having their own sense of turmoil. But, you know, they hung in there, only a seven, you know, the differential was only, what, 13 points with them. I just think that, that that's who gets my worst grade on that end. All right, Drew, what about you? South Carolina State. 22 yards rushing, 12 attempts, 22 yards rushing. Uh, thank God they got a 6'5 receiver named Shaq Davis because that was pretty much the highlight of the day, get get the ball to him for those uh, touchdown passes that he was able to catch. I believe he got either three or four touchdowns in this particular game. But other than that, you know, obviously without uh, – Without without your top running back at South Carolina State, totally different ball game than what everybody expected. Later in, um, I see. I'm just kind of peeking in the in the chat room. I, I see uh, Israel Carey giving Gramlin an F. Uh, although Gramley is not in the top ten, yeah, you that, that performance. <laughs> thank you, thank you. That there's no G, so it's just rambling, uh, rambling. Tigers, uh, or tires, uh, with the, uh, with the, with no get the F. Um, yeah, my, my F goes to Alabama A&M. Alabama A&M, you get the F. Uh, you get you outscored 31 to nothing. Huh? Well, I, so well you hear me out. Yeah, I was there. I was there. I'm giving them an F. 31, did you outscore 31? And it really shouldn't have been an F because – uh, I, I thought there were moments where they looked pretty good. Um, you know, they did they did throw two interceptions, I believe, or they had two turnovers uh, that went uh, Alabama a and had. Again, they had a period where they were up 19-7, to seven, 
before they gave up uh, a very good mm, a two-minute drive or less than two minutes at the end of the first half. Uh, but then they did – so basically they get outscored by 31 points. And then at the end of the game, uh, they, they just very uncharacteristically – you know, for whatever reason, there was an onside kick. They got a late score. There was an onside kick. Uh, FAMU almost returned it for a touchdown. Uh, and then FAM ran another play. For some reason, Coach Maynard decided he wasn't happy about something, had a very un- uncomfortable or a very unpleasant, quick little conversation with Coach Simmons. Then there was all this hang. I've never seen a coach hang around on the field. And I, I didn't see any players brawling. There didn't seem to be any kind of things going on amongst players. Uh, maybe some words were said from a staff or an assistant coach from FAMU. I don't know. But I'm watching Connell Maynard be on the field for literally like 10 minutes. While the game has ended, FAMU is going over, the team is going over towards the band to sing the alma mater. Connell Maynard still on the field. And then video comes out this morning of the locker room that AM that pretty much left it trashed. Uh, you know, it's it just sort of this unwritten rule amongst equipment staffs that you kind of clean up your locker room at the end of the day. Well, Alabama AM, no class, uh, you know, just, just really made a mess of the Florida AM guest locker room. So they get an F for me for being trashy bulldogs. Stay classy, Alabama AM. Stay classy. So that's my. That who, that's who gets my F. All right, moving over to the non-D1 level. Who gets your A, Kelvin? Who gets your A? Um, I will say this. I think um, that Virginia Union, I, I think to, you know, to continue with the, you know, three-point victory um, and, at, and on the top of the polls, uh, they get an A for me. Now, I couldn't give it to Langston only because – uh, I know the nature of Arkansas Baptist program, so they kind of just kind of walked off, you know, just little, little early uh, scrimmage, uh, live contact drills with a group. <laughs> Spring practice. Hey, but, but wait, well, wait a second. Arkansas Baptist was uh, – now, nah, look, I'm not going deep diving into their schedule, but they were 3-0 and coming into that contest, though, Kelvin. Well, I don't know where you saw oh, that really? I had them in one or two. Oh, that, well, I don't know. Okay, so I'm just looking at Langston's. The Langston put their record after the game at three and one. So uh, maybe that's of course incorrect. that might be part of the problem. It's hard to uh, get information on Arkansas Baptist, but you know, I think okay. one, one of them might have been a prep school they played. But anyway, their schedule is interesting. They played Bethel, Texas College, RPA, Gordon Academy, Langston. They play Swagoo. They did beat Texas College. If yes. I got that correct. I, I thought you were giving me some IPAs there, Kelvin. I wasn't sure what you were saying there for a second. It sounded <laughs> like you were naming off. I thought you were naming off some IPA. I was like, who? I was like, what kind of IPA is that? Okay. Um, and you were talking about Arkansas Baptist's schedule. Is that what you were just talking about? Uh, yes. That, Arkansas Baptist is an interesting school. I always applaud places that give kids a place to play. So they're they're a hybrid model school. They actually have a JUCO on their campus, so they 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 have a nice model going there. So um, I'm not gonna get. I just can't give anybody any credit for beating them. That's. <laughs> I got gotcha. you, and, and I didn't want to make mention 
that uh, the top five teams of the mid-major division poll from the uh, HBCU Pro Sports Media Association top ten all one. That's uh, Virginia Union, Albany State, Benedict College, Fort Valley State, Langston. That's the top five all one. Uh, Fayetteville was six. Obviously, they lost. And then Virginia State right behind them, seven, they won. All right, Drew, who's your, your best from the weekend? A-plus, Albany State going to Rams. Shut out against uh, Clark Atlanta. Unfortunately, we don't know what the final stats was of that game, but I did get a, a few moments to uh, peek that game on ESPN. I believe that was on Plus 3, whichever one of the ESPN platforms that was on. I watched it for about uh, probably a third quarter on, and all these states just dominated that particular ball game. So that that was a get-right game for Albany, and they needed that game as they have Miles this upcoming Saturday. So you need to make sure you got right against Miles uh, as these two teams meet again. And I will tell you exactly how many times these teams have played over the last couple of years because it's like – I want to say it's five times over the last three years. Pulling it up right now. Yeah, uh, they went 2-0-21. Yes, five times over the last three seasons. They played twice in 18, splitting in 18. Of course, uh, Miles won the most important game, which was the championship game. Played in 19. Miles won the championship game in 19, and Albany State won both the regular season matchup and the championship game in 21. So five times in the last three seasons, these two teams have met. All right. Uh, My best grade goes to Virginia Union, uh, number one team. We talked about it going up against Fayetteville State. uh, Preseason predicted to finish and win the South. Could be a preview to the CIAA championship game. Uh, we've already talked about the game already, so that's my best grade. Worst grade, worst grade of the weekend goes to Kelvin. Who you got? Uh, on the worst grade, does Arkansas Baptist fall into this category? I'll go with Fayetteville State on this because they, Fayetteville State actually had an opportunity to win the game. And they were competing against the number one team, and they could have came up really big uh, with a win against Virginia Union. Just fell a little short, so I'll give them my worst grade for not for not sealing the deal. Okay, Drew, who you got? Uh, it's kind of tough there, but I'm gonna have to kind of go with uh, West Virginia State, kind of by. By default, because I, I uh, can't give it to Bluefield State, because Bluefield State actually played a competitive, competitive game against uh, for, against Fort Valley. They had Fort Valley down multiple times in that particular game. But West Virginia State, uh, just looking at their stats, they had three turnovers in that particular game, two interceptions, and a fumble, and lost to a conference foe. Notre Dame College. It was was nationally ranked. It is nationally ranked at home 48 13. You're supposed to give a better game at home. 
So yeah, that, that, that was going to be. Uh, but I, I, I'm, I'm not giving them an F, though. I, I will give them a D. Because that was right. Yeah, I, I of the of the teams between Fayetteville State, West Virginia State, and Bowie, uh, not Bowie, uh, Bluefield, those were the three of the t- of the top ten that lost. Yeah, we're we're talking. I'm talking C minuses, the D pluses, um, and West Virginia State would be on the low end for me as well. You brought up all those points. Um, they were outgained four seventy one to three eighty four. Uh, lost the lost the turnover battle. So, uh, yeah, I, I I'm right there. I'm right there with you. But I that, that's a good program. I'm sure they'll uh, rebound. So tough. Conference. Okay, tough. Con- yeah, man. I tell you, that's a tough conference. Again, they play uh, every every game from beginning to end is all conference. So it's just round robin, best of the best. You play each other, and then you just you know. You know, after you beat each other up, you see who's still standing. Um, okay, here we go. Uh, before we get into the top uh, five, I, I do want to make a quick mention, sort of a quick pivot from football for a second, because upcoming this week, guess what? Basketball media days are happening this week. And so before before I forget it, I just thought I'd make mention for those of you who are basketball heads and you're interested, the CIAA will have their men and women's basketball media day on Monday. Then on Tuesday, the SWAC men will have their media day on Tuesday. And then Wednesday, the women of the SWAC will have their basketball media day. So uh, I, I don't. I, I didn't find any dates for the MIAC or the SIEC. So uh, I, I think those are the only two conferences having their media. <coughs> excuse me, their media day this week. So I'm sure you can head over to those conferences' web pages and take a look at. Uh, Take a look though. Take a look at those uh, those conferences. Can you believe we're talking basketball already? Bas- it's time for basketball. I guess it is one month into the school year, and hey, it's time to talk basketball. Yes, sir. Okay, let's get into the BCSN top five. Okay, now again, this is our our uh, initial top five rankings for the year. Of course, last year. After all was said at the end of the season, uh, the uh, BCSN national champions last year were Bowie State in the non-Division One level and Jackson State out of the Division One level. And yeah, yeah, I know a lot of people will say, "Well, how can you have Jackson State? They lost in the Celebration Bowl. Well, how can you give a championship to a seven and five team?" Anyway, needless to say. <laughs> That the numbers are what they are, people. Okay, so carry your debates to other places. That's why we let the numbers do the speaking, and all we do is run the list out there, and then you know we can debate based on what the metrics say. Anything you want to add there, Drew? No, and uh, gonna be interesting. We're gonna uh, as these come up. Uh, 
let Kelvin uh, give his comments on them because you and I have seen these. Kelvin has not. So we'll be able to get an instant reaction from someone who has not seen the top five. Okay, so we're going to start. Okay. I'm sorry, say that again, Kelvin? No, you're going to reveal it and then we're going to have the conversation, right? Yeah. I'm. Yeah, yeah, we're going to reveal. Okay, we're going to start with the non-D1 level. Okay, so these are schools that are in the NCAA Division II level and or the NAIA. The outside looking in, just outside of the top five, is Langston University right now with a 4-0 record, uh, 3-0 in conference right now. Um, It should be noted that among our strength of schedule, Amongst all the schools that make up this level, and how many schools would you say there are, Drew? Uh, it looks like there's almost uh, about 30, 30. 32. 32. 30, 32. Unfortunately, Langston came out with the easiest strength of schedule. Okay? Thus so far. just thus far. And it, and it changes. Obviously, strength of schedule will change based on team's performance. So just kind of take note of that. And you'll say, oh, well, how can an unbeaten team not be in your top five? Well, okay, just letting you know that. Number five. Number five comes in out of the SIAC, and that is the Benedict College Tigers, unbeaten right now, 4-0, currently with a 2-0 record. Uh, Benedict comes in number five uh, in terms of strength of schedule. Should be noted that uh, Benedict – one of the easier strength of schedules coming in somewhere about uh, eh, coming in somewhere about maybe sixth easiest uh, uh, amongst all those schools. Okay. Um, Just slightly ahead of Benedict is number four, Fort Valley state Wildcats. They too are unbeaten four and oh with a one conference record. Uh, now, now they have an actual easier schedule. They have the second easiest schedule in the uh, in, in this non D one level, according to our numbers. Okay, so again, number four, Fort Valley State. Number three, kind of interesting seeing these guys here at number three from out of the CIAA. The Virginia State Trojans, 3-1 and one with a 2-0 and o conference record. Uh, the Trojans come in. Uh, I'm trying to look and see where their strength of schedule is. It's, uh, it's, in, it's in the top 10 easiest uh, in terms of uh, strength of schedule. But Virginia State comes in at 3-1. and one. And, and, and I just – I have to make note here that in terms of points, there is only a five-point difference between Virginia State, Fort Valley State, and Benedict. So, I, you know, depending upon who the opponent is this upcoming weekend, these three teams could very much shuffle. That's how close they are in points to one another. Uh, clear of number two uh, is uh, moving back over to the SIC. And that's uh, Golden Rams come in at number two, record of three and one, one and zero in conference play. Um, Albany State uh, 
in the upper half of toughest schedules in the uh, non-Division One level. And that means the number one team, to no surprise, in our BCSN top five, non-D1, Virginia Union Panthers, 4-0 on the season, 2-0 in conference play, and uh, their strength of schedule actually is uh, upper half of the 33 teams. All right, so Kelvin, again, just to recap, number five, Benedict, four is Fort Valley State, three, Virginia State, two, Albany State, number one, Virginia Union. What are your thoughts? Um, I, I like it. Um, I also like it because most of um, these teams have really been doing well, like in their in-conference, Albany State's two and one. Uh, Virginia State, obviously, they got, I think, um, I know Virginia Union got the majority of the votes. I don't think there's any real surprises here until you roll into like a couple more games and get some more conference play under your belt. And also, too, the rivalry games will, again, have uh, an impact on these as well. And keep it by, Kelvin, these are no one voted on these polls. This is actually a computer metric that we put together and it spit out some spit out these numbers and whatever the computer spits out it we we roll with it now last year you know and in the in past years people have been telling me we need to upgrade our processor on our computer sometimes because they don't understand the <laughs> metrics and what, what goes into the metrics you know i did go out and buy me a new mac but uh you know so maybe my processor speed is a little bit faster this year uh, i don't think anybody right now could complain about those some people will say Benedict and Fort Valley should be ahead of Virginia State, but it, it is what it is. But we're going to see some, some definite shuffling this weekend as now we have a a top top matchup where Albany State, number two, Albany take, takes all Miles, who is receiving votes. Benedict takes on Fort Valley. So that's a, that's a four or five game. So that becomes a top five matchup right there in the uh in our rankings and shaw fort valley shaw receiving votes fort valley number four so we're gonna have some shuffling going on like you said next week brian some teams will solidify their place in the poll in the ranking or some people will drop very fast in the rankings Hmm. all right all right um all right let's jump over to the, any 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 interesting com- before I jump over there any interesting comments or anything you see out of the out of the chats real quick uh, anything that comes up uh, let's monitor the chat right now okay uh, let's jump over there we'll try to get all the comments in afterwards from both sides all right um, let's see okay here's the division one level. Uh, now, of course, at this level, there are only two teams that are unbeaten at this level, uh, given Hampton's recent loss to ninth-rate Delaware. Uh, and speaking of Hampton, uh, on the outside of the top five looking in, you've got schools like Hampton, as well as Alabama State, UAPB, and surprisingly to some people, Bethune-Cookman. Uh, now what's interesting about Bethune-Cookman sitting on the outside from the metrics 
Um, they have one of the top five toughest schedules, as well as UAPB. When you talk about top five toughest schedules, Bethune-Cookman, fifth toughest, UAPB, fourth toughest. So, uh, you you know, Bethune-Cookman getting there, uh, I think they're, are they one and two now or two and two? Uh, they should be two and two now. They beat. Obviously, they beat Grambling. Grambling. Correct. Oh, really? Okay. And I'll, I'm trying to pull it up right now, Brian. <laughs> Would you say, Calvin, really? <laughs> <laughs> I love the way you said that. I love the way you said that. It'd be <laughs> Alabama A&M Alabama also. No, I'm sorry. That's wrong week. Wrong week. Not Alabama A&M. Bethune beat South Carolina State. No, they lost to South Carolina State. No, they're one and two. They only beat Grambling. Just checking. Yeah, Yeah, only beat Grambling. Okay. Okay. All right. Just checking. Just checking here. The numbers will play themselves out as the season goes. So everybody don't, you know, don't freak out. Okay. Coming in at number five. Uh, right out of uh, the SWAC in Tallahassee, Florida, Florida A&M coming in at number five with uh, two and two. Mark, one and one in conference. Uh, the Rattlers with the sixth, no, seventh toughest schedule uh, amongst the D1 schools. Uh, obviously, with their wins over uh, Albany State and then just recently Alabama A&M. Uh, who I should say, Alabama A&M, with the toughest schedule, strength of schedule among all HBCU D1 teams. Coming in at number four, also at two and two, but over in the SWAC West, Alcorn State comes in at number two. Alcorn with the third toughest schedule in the HBCU uh, Division One level. Uh, Alcorn comes in at number four. Number three, another two and two squad from the West, Prairie View A&M. Coming just slightly, I'm talking, it is a hair over Alcorn State in terms of points. Um, could be possibly related to conference wins, whereas, you know, Alcorn has only played one conference game. I'm, I'm just speculating here. So just pay attention to how a&M, Prairie View A&M, and Alcorn possibly flip spots over maybe the next week or two. Number two is North Carolina Central. Unanimous in a lot of people's polls. They are 4-0. and um, Still haven't got into their conference schedule just yet. Um, and then, of course, number one, undisputed Jackson State uh, with a 2-0, and 4-0 overall record, 2-0 and conference record so again number five is florida a&m number four is alcorn state number three prairie view a&m two north carolina central and number one jackson state right where they finished in the bcsn top five last season kelvin what are your thoughts um i'm in full agreement with this i think the uh prairie view piece will work itself out um especially with the way the poll is laid out um, fam, you, I, I believe they'll probably fall out before it's over with, but we, we will mm-hmm. see. And we're setting up for a real big showdown. Um, if, you know, if all coins stays true to course, you got a no, November 4th date with Prairie View. 
and you got a t- October 22nd date with Texas Southern. Uh, but the Jackson State Alcorn game could really just be a battle for who's going to Atlanta. You know, and in this case, um, and here's something interesting to study about this. In this case, it could play out where Jackson State is forced into the FCS playoff because if they lose to Alcorn. Because Alcorn would not get invited to the FCS playoff, in my opinion, uh, as as would Jackson State if they were the loser. Similar to FAMU last year going to the FCS playoff uh, and Jackson State going to the uh, Celebration Bowl. Let me hold on. Let me, how, how, let me run that scenario by me again. I don't. Is that possible? Right. If you it, look it, at if, so, if Alcorn beats Jackson State, if everything season. kind of plays out, the kind of looking regular season. Alcorn and wins their division. All, all and, and then win win the SWAC championship. Alcorn would be the team that would process to the Celebration Bowl. It would leave Jackson State if they don't play in the SWAC championship game or win the SWAC championship in a position to accept the bid for the FCS. It's same as FAM did last year. FAM went playoff. Jackson State went to Celebration Bowl against Buddy Pugh and South Carolina State. But that would be Jackson State would have to lose to someone else. They'd have to lose twice. Twice. They'd have to lose two games in conference. Yes. Okay. Yes. Well, no, they'd have okay. to lose. They would have to lose to us, and then literally we would have to probably beat them again. It might be a replay game on the swag. But the playoffs would already have started by the end. The playoffs the already started. That's the that's the thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I – well, there won't be any decision. They'd already be out. I mean, it's one of those <laughs> things where they'd have to go into the – after they played – that last I think, game of the I, season. I think I think I understand what he's saying. Would Jackson State, if given the opportunity to make a decision, hey, maybe we do better going to the playoffs? I don't think financially it's not a good it's not a good benefit for Jackson State to go decision. to the playoffs because no. they'll make more money in the celebration bowl, win or lose, than they would in the playoffs, which is a lose lose. Yeah. But and then plus you're asking – and look, I, I heard this – I had to, you know, this. I saw this discussion pop up on Twitter uh, where all great conversations happen, I guess. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> I, Jackson – let me let me be clear about this, folks. Four games in, Jackson State lost their last game of the year. They were embarrassed. Mount curb stopped. In the Celebration Bowl, all this talk about dominating and dominance, they want to run the table and go back to the place where it ended and finish it with a bang. That means they want to go to the SWAT Championship. They want to go to the Celebration Bowl. So before people start saying, prefer, I don't think it'll happen, but... They, that's sure they prefer that, but honestly, people got to wrap it around their mind. All this, oh, maybe Jackson State would want to go to the FCS. Sure, maybe they want to, but they're focused on finishing the season and job. That means perfect season, unbeaten in the Celebration Bowl, 
win the celebration, get the bag, and then you can talk about all those crazy scenarios the next year. But I, I just hope that people catch themselves as they begin talking about what Jackson State's future for this year is going to look like. No, I'm telling you now, they want to finish where it ended so tragically and bad for them last year. That is in Atlanta, Georgia, walking off with a title, a Celebration Bowl title, and a perfect season, period, point blank. And and, and, and I'll argue, I'm not even a J-State guy, but I will argue that if you try to tell me anything different, I will argue that, that point till, till the cows come home. I, I'm sorry. I'm not buying it. I'm not buying right. it. And, and so. I do, and I will say this. I think the truth of the matter is, based upon the way the parameters are set up, that is going to happen because if they run the table, they'll go to Celebration Bowl. They won't fight that. We just had, so happened last year to have a scenario where the FCS group believed and they lost to Jackson State, I think, 7-6 the first game of the season last year, where they believed that FAMU was worthy of playing in the FCS. What I do know is this. Until um, schools such as Stephen F. Austin, which Alcorn played a strong game, um, Stephen F. Austin, your Chattanoogas, a Missouri State, until when we see those schools begin to pop up on the JSU schedule, then will I believe they're actually contemplating playing in the FCS because, and, and this is weird, a little off subject, but this is strange. I was talking with a group about this this weekend. Everybody wants to throw Jackson state out there against a power or five or whatever. The real litmus test is, can you play with North Dakota state, Missouri state, um, Stephen F. Austin, Incarnate Word. Yeah. Incarnate, yes. Mm-hmm. And Villanova. Now, when you see those games pop up and here's the strangest thing about it. Lindenwood University, which is located right here in St. Charles, Missouri, right outside of St. Louis. This is their first year playing Division I football, and they got votes to be in the top 25. So there, there, there's some measuring sticks out there. for t- you got one team that's always played Division II NAIA that in their first year is getting votes. Jackson State is ranked at 17, I believe, in that – well, they're ranked at 11 in that same poll. But you don't have a – a cross analysis of it because they don't play anybody like that currently. Right. Right. Good points. Good points. All right, folks, uh, it's time to get out of here. Um, any final thoughts that you'd like to drop on us, Kelvin, uh, let people know also how they can find you on social media, where, what uh, what what uh, pseudonym are you hiding behind these days and things of that nature? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, at, uh, so I'm at a real I'm I'm with one that's really simple. I'm at zero six Carter K on Twitter, uh, so that's where I can be found. I covered East St. Louis football this weekend, and guys, I will tell you something. Shameless plug for any Southwestern Athletic Conference team or HBCU that does not recruit kids from East St. Louis, Missouri. You are missing out on a super special program. They don't hide their kids. They don't deter their kids. Um, they send their kids uh, from anywhere from University of Alabama to Vanderbilt to Jackson State to Alcorn. They are, uh, they're like FUBU. They're for us and by us. And they have, you know, their head coaches are Under Armour uh, coach, and they travel the country. They play IMG. They play St. John Bosco. I just believe that if our kids are going to be great, they need to be exposed to the places to where they can 
express themselves and also become a part of the greater HBCU family. How far is UAPB from uh, East St. Louis? Um, about the same distance as St. Louis because it's right by the arch. So Pine Bluff is, I believe, is about four and a half hours from here. I was going to tell you about So that. Maynard and Maynard and UAP, well, Alabama A&M and UAPB will be playing here in the River City Classic. It'll be interesting to know that on that Saturday, East St. Louis will have a home game. So for every time that these schools claim that, that they don't have recruiting budget monies, I don't know what the rules or parameters are on pulling up, but on that Saturday before they play on that Sunday, they will get a chance to lay eyes on some of the best foot, high school football players in the country at East St. Louis High School. Ooh. Hmm. I like you, like you, like you. And uh, so when is that uh... – that cl- when is that classic again? And that classic is happening, right? I mean, I know we were kind of wondering that. <laughs> well, they're running their, they're running all the promos here in St. Louis. All the radio is coming okay. through. So okay. um, they set up a lot of college fairs. There's events going on downtown that have been planned. So I'm looking okay. forward to seeing, you know, anytime we get an HBCU in. And we're in the Dome on a Sunday. It should be a great day, and it should be a great day for HBCU football in the Gateway City. Man, I, I like to see that. I think you guys might be the last of the HB of the Midwest Classics. You know, we had the Classics in. Uh, let me yeah, see. Detroit we had the Classics Classic. in Indy, Detroit, Chicago, uh, Chicago. New York. Yeah, I don't think that's New York. Just happened. Uh, New York just happened. Yeah, New York. I, I was just. I was thinking about the Midwest. I was just thinking about the Midwest, where yeah. you know, St. Louis, obviously, you know, because all the all that came off of the. The success of the Circle City is going in away. my hometown. Yeah, and now it's <laughs> – look at you, Memphis is going away. <laughs> yeah. Come on now. Well, you don't going know away. that. You know, you're not, <laughs> don't, quote, don't, 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 don't say that. You don't know that to be true. You, allegedly. You should always say allegedly. Or I don't even think that's alleged, Drew. You can't say that. In my opinion. In Drew's okay. opinion, ladies and gentlemen. That I is, am old. That is not – that is not anything coming from the Black Color Sports Network or uh, where's, the, where's our disclaimer? What's our disclaimer? Where, where's the button? Anyway, but, go ahead, Drew. Uh, why you uh, on it? Uh, we're the Circle City. I know this is the first year they did not have the Circle City and God knows when. Was this just like a one-year hiatus or is it uh, potentially going away? Do you know? That's your hometown. I, I, I don't know, but I don't think there is – they already made the obstacles of when they moved the date from October to September, that was already a signal that they wanted to, how do I say this? They wanted to change who was coming to town on a particular weekend, A, and B, because of the other group that was coming in town, they were spending more money than the group that had been there for the last 20, 25 years. You get my drift? You to- so you totally lost me on that. <laughs> you go out to explain well, that would be all fair. I know exactly yeah, what no, he's well, saying. So they, they thank you. They switch weekends to a different type of. Uh, they they switch weekends because the, the first weekend in October always was the first weekend in October was always the weekend. I don't know the group that came in. I, I'll look it up, but it was a convention that wanted to come in, spend more money in the Circle City, and I mean the the contract ran out with the Circle City and Indiana Black Expo and obviously with the with the founder 
dying. Uh, he was the one who was really behind making that thing happen, Reverend Charles Williams. It, you know, it just changed. And so all of that said, they moved it a week up and just wasn't the same. Uh, and, and, and schedules have changed. And, and now, obviously, with what we people's feelings about classics are not the same as they were 20, 25 years ago, obviously. Right. So that, too, is a factor. And I will tell you, I don't think my city, my hometown, love them to death. I don't think they want to pony up like the city of Birmingham and Montgomery and give away the kind of cash that that these schools want or deserve. So I'll, I'll just put it at that. Is that kind okay. of like the story behind the uh, Gateway Classic, Jay Kelvin? You know, the uh, the founder well, the of the Classic, Classic passed away a few years ago, and the Gateway Classic kind of right. fell off the wayside after that. Well, the mechanics of the Gateway Classic were a little off as well, because the Gateway Foundation, which was led by uh, Mr. Wilson, was dedicated towards giving scholarships. And there was a pervasive thought in the community that you don't have to attach an expensive football game away to give away scholarships to get kids to college. So if you think about it, in theory, you were spending more money than you generated if you were to just take the donations from Southwest, Everett Jones, and those companies that would be able to donate in. You were spending more than you generated to, to do your work, and your work was to get kids to college. So in my opinion, it should have been coupled with the St. Louis Black Expo, and it would have been a great day. But the two were never hitched together like in Indianapolis to make it a all-inclusive weekend for the family in downtown St. Louis. That's just my take on it. All right. Uh, Drew, any final words or thoughts before we get out of here? Hey, uh, going to have some exciting football this weekend. Columns will be coming out this week on d2football.com. Click on the SIAC tab and see my writing summary should be coming out tomorrow with the preview coming out either Thursday or Friday to get you uh, in tune for a big weekend on the east side of the SIAC this uh, this weekend. A lot of matchups. We're going to see a lot of uh, record shuffling this weekend in the SIAC. Yeah, yeah. Um we didn't get into too many games for the upcoming week. Uh, I want to encourage you to go back and listen to Dr. Cavill's show from this morning, episode 309. Um, who knows? Maybe Drew and I will get together and drop a little nugget, something later this week. I don't know. I'm just throwing it out there, Drew. Just throw right, it out we there. All, Maybe we'll do a preview. It always sounds good on Sunday. They come Thursday. We'd be like, man, your, I see your schedule didn't work out either. <laughs> Well, I'm just putting it out there now. Put it into the ether in the universe, and you never know what might happen. Right? It might happen. Right. Um, right. Hey, I will. I will leave us with the announcement today that Rihanna will be hosting the. Uh, will be performing at the Super Bowl. Uh, what is it? Fifty something? Fifty five? Fifty six? Something like that? Something? I don't even know what number they're on these days. But Rihanna will be hosting. Are you excited about Rihanna? Will it make you want to stay for the halftime show, Drew? Calvin? Yes. Me too. I, I, I'll, I'll stick around. I'll stick around. So, hey, uh, all right, folks. So, uh, <laughs> that's going to be for tonight. Get out of here, Brian. One last question. La- quickly, uh, quickly. 
shout out to you guys from the OG Strike Zone for keeping us uh, up to date on the long, long, long Fabu Athletic Director search. Oh, you just seen some news come across that happened? Has there been a has there no. been an announcement? No, but oh, okay. you guys been keeping us up to date on it. You saw how I got that. Right. Oh, yeah. But I saw well, about it. <laughs> I'm, catch y'all, no, catch hey, y'all guys right, on then. Wednesday. Maybe you have an update for us on Wednesday's OG Strikes Off. Who knows? Maybe Wednesday. Things happen on Wednesdays with our show, you know, so we might have some breaking news by Wednesday. Who knows? End of the month is coming yeah, we'll, up. You expect to make a move by the end of the I month. I know. Will, will Davis asked, when, when will you hire AD? I, when's the next full moon, Will? When's the next full moon? I don't know. When's that? <laughs> All right, that's going to do it for tonight's show. Make sure you follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at MyBCSN1. Hey, go download the Jericho Broadcast Networks app on the Google or Apple Play Store. MyJBM, MyBCSN is how you can search and find it. And listen to all of our shows on the BCSN Pod Zone. That's BCSN Pod Zone. Everywhere that you listen and download to podcast, download and listen to podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, Google, iHeartRadio. Go listen, download, and then give us a rating. Plenty of shows that you can listen to throughout the week and stay abreast of what's happening in the HBCU space. That's going to do it for our guest, Kelvin Carter, my partner, A.D. Drew. I'm Brian Fulford. Thanks for watching, everybody. Thanks for your interaction and your chats. We'll talk again soon. Peace out. Ahala. But you know, my peace, they are hard.